Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number, I don't even know, we didn't even talk about it, Pre, pre-podcast. What is this, Brandon? I told Jimmy at least two times, and it is 270. Did you? Yeah. I did. My, I just said it like I'm in my own five world, seconds man. ago. <laughs> we are down in, well, I am in Aventura, Florida. It's uh, right around Miami here. And Brandon is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, mm-hmm. as we record. I don't know if there's an echo here in my room here, but... Uh, if so, my apologies in advance. Uh, we are doing these from hotel rooms, from separate hotel rooms down in the Miami Fort Lauderdale area. Practice number one between the Eagles and the Miami Dolphins is in the books. But before we get to what we saw today at practice, Brandon, where can we find the, the finest meat snacks in the land? The best meat snacks to ever exist as determined by god mm. wow god them. is busy rating various things associated with our podcast lately it's it's pretty crazy how they have the time for that but um <laughs> yeah uh all powerful all knowing you know and endorses righteous felon craft jerky you can go to righteous com. use discount code bgn20 jimmy bgn20 for 20% off your order. You want to do that now because if you wait, it's going to go back down to BGN 15 and you're only going to get 15% off. So why not do it now? BGN 20. I want to give a quick shout out here, Jimmy, to at Philly Chi NFL, like on Twitter, at Philly C-H-E-E NFL, who tweeted you and I, both of us, a picture of Righteous Felon Craft Turkey they found in the wild at a store somewhere. Uh, not a bad idea to pick up a pack. If you see it in the store, give it a try. And if you like it, you can always get more at rightdesign.com with a discount code. So there you go. Sounds terrific. All right. Why don't you start off with uh, your first note today? Yeah. So it's really freaking hot. Uh, no surprise. <laughs> it's Florida. Not just hot, but the humidity. Um, to kind of give the listeners a little more context in terms of uh, where we were watching practice, I was on the the end zone view, which we couldn't watch the Browns Eagles practices from there, which was annoying me. Like we couldn't watch from the end zone yeah. view where you could kind of see both fields and stand in the middle. Um, where I believe you were in the sideline in I the was. shade. I was roughing it. I was I was really just getting destroyed in the sun. Hottest day of camp so far, and it was only like ninety or something like that. But just the humidity here is freaking brutal. And I feel like the humidity in the Philly area is also bad, but it's a different level down here. And like we complain about the heat, humidity, whatever, mm-hmm. just standing around, basically yeah. doing nothing. 
the players like run around hitting each other. <laughs> like I can't even imagine. It must be horrible out there for them. Yeah, with the helmet on. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is why I bring it up. It's not just to complain about how rough we have it. Whatever. No one cares about that. Yeah. The point is, it was it was rough conditions out there for the players. I think it's fair to say the Dolphins might have had an advantage in that regard, considering they're a little bit more used to this. I'm sure. Um, I don't know what they really do about that. But Tua said something after practice about that. Did you see? Did you see what he said? You did. I was in on. To, uh, there for oh, okay. that he, it was interesting he kind of unprompted gave the eagles some excuses <laughs> like well yeah. you know uh they're traveling from cleveland to miami as opposed to being at their home base the dolphins for perspective played on uh saturday night whereas the eagles played their last preseason game on sunday so there's you know a rest disadvantage there yeah monday well. was a Although, travel day tuesday was another travel day to miami Mm-hmm. And then right into right into the next practice in again this heat that they're not used to, but the Dolphins are. Although I will say the Eagles didn't play their starters at all in Cleveland, and the Dolphins did play their starters in their second preseason game. So you know that's a, like a, you can't just say like total rest advantage. It's I funny mean, how it's, aware Tua was of the Eagles' schedule, right? <laughs> I guess maybe Jalen Hurts and him were talking about that. <laughs> I, guess I don't so. know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe uh, it is a little interesting, but yeah, I think that overall, like the big picture takeaway from today's practice, the thing that's gonna you're gonna see in a lot of the headlines and the and the sentiment from the tweets is that the Dolphins won the day. Like they had the better practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does that mean? It probably means the Eagles are going zero and seventeen, and the season <laughs> is over, and there's nothing good. No. It means that the Eagles are no longer undefeated because in all the joint training camp practices we've seen to this point, I think the Eagles have been at least like tied, if not mostly the better team. Mm-hmm. So it was a change of pace to see the Eagles not look like the better team. Um, I thought it was interesting because the Dolphins weren't necessarily a team that I was like coming in super bullish on. Right. Like I thought they were better than the Browns in my head, but I thought they might have been like a little bit more similar. Dolphins look pretty good to me, and I think that's good for the Eagles in terms of getting a good test, but also a little bit bad in that they didn't measure up. Um, yeah. They got a lot of speed on that team. Um, we got to see Tyreek Hill, of course, today, which we may as well talk, just talk about that off the bat, too. Like Tyreek mm-hmm. Tyree Hill smoked uh, Darius Slay down the down the right sideline during one-on-ones. Um, it's a matchup that Tyreek Hill should win you know, in one-on-ones routinely with the kind of speed that he has. But Slay got smoked, kind of came up lame at the end of that play. Looked like he pulled something, maybe uh, limped back to the sideline. I thought his day might be over right then and there, but he did come back in. He did practice a little, a little bit more, and then he got hurt again. I, I don't know if it was uh, basically whatever he hurt when on that on that Tyreek Hill play, or if it was something different. To me, it looked like he was favoring either his foot or his ankle uh, when he was limping off the field. So. Um, Probably the best idea would be to not have uh, Mr. Slay practice, <laughs> what's today, Wednesday on Thursday, and uh, certainly he's not going to play in the game uh, on, what is it, Saturday, I guess? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just shut that guy down for the rest of the offseason and uh, get him, make sure he's ready for week one. Uh, I, I will say, in Slay's defense, uh, after he did come back, he had another one-on-one rep against Tyree Kill, and he won that rep. Uh, Tyreek Hill actually eventually did make a catch on that play, but it was one of those like bullshit, like, you know, like four moves on the play that isn't like, wasn't like a real NFL route. It was like one of those like old school, like Jason Avant training camp routes where he'd 
have like three or four different moves and you finally get wide open and then he make the catch. But I thought Slay won. I thought he battled back despite getting hurt against him. And I thought he won that rep. That's not how I saw it from the way I saw it. But in fairness, you were closer to that field than I was. Um, in any case, I also, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I heard someone say that Slay like wanted Tyree Kill again. Like he was like, mm-hmm. let's do that again. Like he yeah. wanted and give him credit for that as well. Um, yeah, I think the Dolphins offense, though, on the whole, like had their way with oh, the sure. defense relatively. Yeah. I mean, again, I was able to, you know, your focus is split between two different fields. I was able to see more of the Eagles defense versus the Dolphins offense than I was last week with the Browns defense or mm-hmm. Browns off whatever. Um, but every time I looked over, there was like it was like a completion, and there were some Dolphins fans at practice, and they were cheering. And Tyree Kill was just the Eagles had no answer for Tyree Kill, and it should be noted that in addition to Slay eventually coming out, James Bradbury is still not full practicing. He returned today in a limited capacity, but not you know he wasn't in, in on eleven on elevens. Yeah, right. So, um, so you know you're down your top two corners. That's obviously an ideal situation, but still. Um, you know, I, I just think you would have liked to see a little bit more than that. I mean, the Dolphins didn't even have Jalen Waddle today. He didn't practice at mm-hmm. all. So like, you know, and he was dynamite for them last year. So, you know, it's the Dolphins were also missing a key player, but still, uh, I thought, and I, and I thought Tua looked good and I've really never been a Tua guy. I don't me, think I've me neither. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen it with him. You know, I, I don't see it is what, how I would describe it prior to today, but I, he did some really good things. He impressed me and having Tyreek Hill is kind of like a cheat code and helps you a lot. But uh, I thought he looked, he was the better of the former Alabama quarterbacks today. He's the better Pat. So I think Jalen Hurts is a better player overall than Tua, but Tua was a much better passer, pure passer yeah. today. And the one thing I'll say about to it, uh, you know, positive and negative. The negative is that a lot of his passes are just. Jimmy is <laughs> doing like a moon ball, I guess. Got a lot of loft on his throws. There's not a lot of not a lot of zip to his hmm. to his throws. Some, you know, you'll see it here and there, but there's all and some of those throws are probably you know purposefully have some touch on them. Uh, but he likes, he, a lot of his throws come out with, um, a lot of loft on him. He's very accurate though. So I was impressed by, you know, him just putting the ball where it needed to be. And, um, you know, you can get away with maybe having a little bit more loft, uh, on your passes. If you throw a very accurate ball and you throw with anticipation and he did both of those things today, you know, we're not dolphins reporters or anything like that today or, or, or at all. <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, he did, he, he was better than I thought he was going to be as well. Well, I think the two, uh, like evaluating him is interesting in the context of contrasting with Hertz as I thought, even though maybe if he's floating passes, I thought he had a live arm is how I describe it. Like the ball came out like in a, in a nice way. I thought, um, and it's, it's kind of more of just, it's a contrast with Hertz. It just, it kind of jumped to me. Like it, it, the ball, maybe he doesn't have a cannon to it, but like the ball, like, like jumps out of his hand. At least it looked that way to me. Um, maybe you disagree. Um, when it came to Hertz, I had a weird day in that I don't think there was any obviously terrible passes that were like, you know, oh, like that was, that was horrible. He did have one that was short that got broken up by Melvin Ingram, who is, you know, a pass rusher. Um, so that's not great. And then he did underthrow, I believe, Devontae Smith on his longest pass attempt of the day, where uh, kind of a weird play where it seemed to be the, like watching it live. I thought it was actually a good play by Hertz to put some air on that and give Devontae a chance, but kind of like 
thinking about it more and then seeing what others kind of had seen on that play. It seemed like Devonte was open deep and had like gotten uh, past the defense and a better throw might be a touchdown throw or a bigger gain, mm-hmm. but Devonte kind of had to slow up and he ended up mossing Nick Needham, Dolphins cornerback. Um, but then like, from where John Clark and I were standing on the sideline, we thought it was complete. I saw some people tweet that it was incomplete. I saw Josh Tolentino from the Inquirer uh, mentioned that the ref signaled it incomplete. So I don't even know what happened there. But like that was only that was Hertz's only attempt, as far as I could tell, especially in eleven on eleven. That was like over twenty yards. There was so much. I, I saw your headline. I didn't read your practice notes, but I saw your headline like dinking and dunking. That yeah. was like the big theme of today for the Eagles yeah. offense. A lot what of, check, of that? It was check down city today. And um, it was sort of the opposite of what we saw of him in Brown's joint practices where he was very willing to throw the ball up, not for grabs necessarily, but give his his good receivers, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, um, Quez Watkins and some, Dallas Goddard, give them opportunities to make plays on the football, even if they weren't you know totally wide open. We didn't see that today. And the Browns were without their top two corners in Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, so maybe he felt more um, confident in letting his players go up, his good players go up, and uh, and make plays in the football against you know lesser corners. But um, you know they're better defensive backs patrolling the secondary for the Dolphins today, namely Xavier Howard, for example, uh, was back there. So yeah, maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, but it was just a, a contrast in what we saw in Cleveland and what we saw in Miami today, where he just didn't take chances down the field with the football. And um, frankly, it was very boring. <laughs> it was very boring to watch uh, the Eagles' first team offense. I actually thought Gardner Minshew and the second team offense looked pretty good uh, yeah. by comparison. The, the first team offense just really got nothing going whatsoever today. And again, like like you said, I don't think he did anything necessarily badly, um, but he didn't. But he didn't make any plays. And yeah. we should also note too that he hasn't thrown an interception in ages. I don't even know when the last interception was that he threw in one of these practices. So that's great. Like he's not turning the ball over and certainly gold star for that. But um, I, I, I found myself being very bored, <laughs> very underwhelmed by the performance today and I can't help it, but I, 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 I kind of have to give him a stock down today. Well, yeah, it's interesting because like, okay, do you want your quarterback to have four touchdowns and one interception in the game? Or let's say one touchdown, zero, or zero and zero. Yeah. Yeah. Or zero and zero. Like, it's it's a fine line admittedly it's not an exact it's like it's easy for me to say Jalen Hurts needs to be more aggressive because then okay and people will be like well then then he's going to do that and then he's going to start turning the ball over and then you're going to criticize him for that and I would if he was doing it if he's yeah, too aggressive it's it's, it's yeah. a fine line yeah. but I think he's not quite striking that balance enough to me I think there's been a little bit too much conservative a little bit too much worried about not turning the ball over to a point where I have to, you know, I don't have the the replay of these practice plays, but I have to imagine today, especially, there were more opportunities for plays to be made at some point than were made. Like there, there had to be some tight window throws that could have been made, which I did see Gardner Minshew make against the Dolphins mm-hmm. backups, um, or like, or like you know, fifty fifty balls. To your point, there had to be some more plays like where they could, could have given his receivers a chance, or he could have thrown with anticipation, or maybe. Um, like again, Devontae Smith being open down the field and you underthrew him. Like he didn't really maximize. And for him not having a bad day, um, and it, it wasn't all his fault. I thought 
the offensive line maybe didn't have their best day either. Yeah, they allowed I agree with that. pressure. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins were they blitzing. Blitzed, so they blitzed quite a bit. The Dolphins did. Sure. So that's a factor um, that influences things for sure. At the same time, like I, I think what you said, though, like didn't really make a play ever on his own. And also when the offense as a whole is <laughs> inconsistent and like struggling to move the football, it's hard for me to not you know, put significant blame on the quarterback. Like that's, yeah. he touches the ball every play. He is a significant factor. I will say the running game didn't get much going either. And it, you know, the running game can only do so much in a practice setting mm-hmm. where they can't tackle, but like, I mean, you can, you can see when, when guys run through yeah. big holes or, or make people miss. And yes. there, there was none of that today. And the dolphins were like in position. There was a, I remember there was yeah. an option play to the right side dolphins right there in the flat, like defended tackle, tackle for loss. Kenny, Kenny Gainwell running to the left tackle for loss or tackle for no gain. Like they were Dolphins defense, give them credit. They were playing very well, I thought. Um, but yeah, underwhelming from the offense. I, I think I think it, it was fair to want to see more from them. That's fair. Um, defensive side of the ball, uh, we agree that the Dolphins moved the ball very well. I will say that I thought the Eagles pass rush was good, though. So they did get home for a number of sacks and they created pressure a bunch of times. It was really more the back end uh, that was giving up plays. I thought the best player for the Eagles today was Hassan Reddick, okay. who had a couple of uh, two speed rushes around the end uh, resulted in sacks. One of them was against Teron Armstead. Um, but the play of the day by him, I thought, was he ran right up the A gap. He's sort of playing a joker role uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit today. And he. I guess you'd say he blitzed uh, through the A-gap, got right through, and in his way was running back Salvan Ahmad, who I think played for them. I think he got snaps for them last year. He just ran right through that dude, <laughs> like ran right over the running back uh, on his way. To, I don't know if it was Teddy Bridgewater or uh, Tua back at quarterback, but ran right through that guy and got a sack. And I, I thought he played with great speed and uh, physicality today. I, he looked like the guy that, you know, the Eagles hope he's going to be um, after they, you know, made him their priority free agent signing this year. Yeah. I didn't specifically notice him. I guess I was just watching the offense whenever he made a big mm-hmm. play. So I'll defer to you on that. I will say, um, you know, kind of been a quiet camp for him on the whole, not a bad camp, just like yeah. haven't noticed him a ton throughout the summer. He did have a nice play to, I think, essentially sack Jacoby Brissett in Cleveland last week. So that was good to see. Maybe he's, he's getting more comfortable. He's coming on a little bit later in camp. There's always those players, I think, who kind of their stock rises. So that's, I'd say it's a positive sign. That's good to see. That's encouraging. But don't don't, know, don't have much to offer beyond that. Yeah, and he's going up against Lane Johnson primarily in you know just regular Eagles practices. And that's hard to do. <laughs> like it's hard to beat Lane. Lane Johnson hasn't given up a sack in the last two years. So like it's uh, it's hard to beat that guy. And you get to face off against you know different uh, offensive tackles in these joint practices, and you're you're you know you're going to have more success against those guys than than the best uh, right tackle in the NFL. Speaking of trench play, there was a quote unquote fight today at practice. Nothing too major. But, um, well, first of all, it's it, there's a little tension in offensive line versus defensive line with Cam Jurgens kind of getting driven back by Raekwon Davis on the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Not totally dissimilarly to that clip of Jordan Davis pushing uh, Cam Jurgens back. Not quite the same, but like, you know, he, Cam Jurgens was getting bull rushed and he got pushed back, but he kept Davis in front of him. And then after the play, they had some words, got in each other's face. 
Um, not that like Jurgens would back down or any football player probably would back down, but I kind of like to see that a little bit. Sure. Like Jurgens, Jurgens didn't like throw a punch or escalate anything, but he didn't back down. Like Davis got in his face and he like stood his ground and he, you know, like he got kind of back in his face. And, and so that was nice to see a little fire from him. Um, but then kind of things got a little bit more heated and this happened in front of me, although it was a little tough to tell because some of the, the way that the players were standing in front of me kind of blocked the view. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what your angle is on this, but I heard like Lynn Dickerson maybe had another big block. He, and... he pancaked Jalen Phillips. Okay. And I thought originally that another player came over and decked Landon Dickerson, but apparently Jalen Phillips got back up. Okay. He's the one that sort of laid uh, really like a hockey check kind of into Dickerson. Dick- and he hit Dickerson hard. And Dickerson went down. Crowd formed, quickly broke up. Um, yeah. But I saw yeah. AJ Brown right in there at one point, and not to like swing, but like to like kind of push someone or like get to separate things. Um, I know what's his name? Uh, Christian Wilkins was talking a lot on the Dolphins. I don't know how much he was involved, but he was like talking a lot uh, at around that time. So. Things are getting a little testy. And he is a talker. Wilkins is a talker. Christian Wilkins, you may remember, um, pointed Christian and laughed Wilkins. at Yeah, loved huh? him as a, as a prospect. He, I remember him pointing and laughing at the Eagles when they allowed that trick play, I believe, oh. uh, in, in Miami <laughs> yeah, in 2019. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Jason Sanders? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He celebrated by like pointing and laughing, <laughs> which is funny and good. Um, but yeah, so... Nothing too crazy after that, but you know, it's always a little fun to see a little skirmish and maybe that carries over and tomorrow we'll see if there's any more bad blood. But uh, I think that's about it in terms of the major highlights. Did you have anything Jalen Phillips, by the way, he's an edge rusher. He's, he's, he was actually at one time like the number one prospect in the country coming out of high school. It was eventually a first round pick of the Dolphins. He wore an orange jersey today. Mm-hmm. And do you know why that was? I saw something, I think our good friend EJ Smith said something about how it's like player of the day or something. Yeah, so he had a phenomenal practice the, the day, like whenever the last practice was. So he was awarded with the getting to wear the orange jersey. I guess normally the Dolphins either, you know, they have their white jersey or their baby mm-hmm. blue jerseys. And then somebody on the team gets to wear the orange jersey for the day. And they also get to pick the music for the day. They mm-hmm. get to pick their, their music soundtrack for the That's day. Fun. That's awesome. Nick's got a... Nick has to adopt that next year. That is a great idea. Yeah. I love that. And that'd be like a fun thing for us to like sort of we could like change our player of the day to like right. you know, like like what would I mean for, for the Eagles, what would it be? Like the black jersey of the day? Like what, what color would they go with? That's a good yeah, I think it would have to be. I think it would have to be a black one because you know, they use green and white. What else would you do? Like a silver one? Maybe Probably like a not. Kelly green jersey for the day? That'd be kind of look funny. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. No, actually that would that, that might make some sense. You could do that. So, but um, I love that idea. Out of that. I was wondering, why is he wearing an orange jersey? Like, is he like, are they not supposed to, are they not allowed to hit him or something? And then like, and it was when Landon Dickerson like got really physical with him after, you know, threw the whistle and threw him to the ground. I'm like, wait, is he, is he supposed to be doing that to the orange jersey guy? <laughs> but it turns <laughs> out he was only wearing the jersey because he had a good practice the day before. That's funny. Um I do know some players, I think the Giants use like non-contact jerseys. They'll use some red jerseys for players who like they don't want to, yeah. you know. The Patriots had that one year, if I recall. Well, I was just going to say, speaking of the Patriots, this reminds me of Tom Brady and how he was upset reportedly that he didn't win like Patriot of the Week or whatever. Remember that story? <laughs> that's right. That's Seth Wick. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that made me that's think funny. Of this. Maybe that's why he was taking time off in uh, for a little bit here. 
because you know he's missing like box practice for like two weeks. He didn't get any. Oh, the Buccaneer of the day, day, jerks. (laughs) Um. So nothing else, right? We'll take a break. Uh, you know what? I do want to mention one more thing. This is a a negative. Davion Taylor was horrendous in the game on Sunday. We didn't talk about the game. (laughs) I mean, just brutally bad in the game. Um, and today I thought he had a, a play where he could have picked off a pass. It was a little bit over his head. He put his hands up. I think, I think the ball went through his hands and eventually landed in the arms of a Dolphins receiver. But I, I think it's worth noting that, I mean, he was just horrible in, in the second preseason game against the Browns. Um, just in terms of getting bullied uh, in the run game, not getting off blocks. He had that really ugly play like where he didn't push yeah. the guy out of bounds on the sideline. And it was Josh the quarterback. Dobbs, yeah. And, yeah, he kept running down the field uh, after he didn't make the easy play to push him out of bounds. Um, he had some bad plays in the in, in the past game. He like was fooled repeatedly by uh, misdirection and play action and stuff like that. And it was kind of like the worst of what he's been since the yeah. team drafted him after what had probably been, not probably, but it has clearly been his best camp of his career and like had an yeah. encouraging camp up until uh, that game. He, his roster spot isn't in jeopardy or anything like that, but he's got to play. If he has another game on Saturday, he's going to play. Like he has to play. He, they can't stand yeah. on that performance from Sunday. He, if his play on Saturday is anything like what it was on Sunday, then I think there has to be some kind of discussion on whether that roster spot is better used elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, there's how do you if you're the coaching staff, how do you like trust him yeah. <laughs> after a performance like that? Like, exactly. how do you have the trust in him? Um, Taylor was marked down for four missed tackles, and I believe hey. it. Like, and no one else had more than two. Like, yeah, it was, and that Dobbs play was just—it's brutal. Like, you got to get the quarterback out of bounds, man. I don't I just, know if I think he was he thought like, he was going to run out of bounds. He didn't want to get a late hit or something like that's probably what it was. But <laughs> the anti Quincy Williams, yeah. then. Um But <laughs> like, dude, that you have to make that play. Still, that, that play, I mean, still football, man. And it wasn't a real game, obviously. Yeah. So like, they whatever the result doesn't matter in terms of they scored, but like it was that play, and then there was a 15 yard penalty because there's defensive holding on that or whatever attached to that, mm-hmm. and then the Browns scored one play later. Like that was a huge play. Like that was in a g- given game. That'd be a huge, like terrible um, play. So you'd yeah, be really getting destroyed job. if that happened in a real yes. game. Is there anything else from the game that is worth mentioning? Probably not. Right? Game, like um, uh, so too like, huge. Like Deion Kane had a nice day. Yeah. Do you think the Eagles should keep him? That's a discussion. Yeah, I I don't I don't <laughs> like if they what tra- if they trade Rager? If they trade Rager, fine. I would take him yeah. over Britton Covey still. Um, I agree. Yeah, he should be ahead of Covey at the least. And then uh, you know, I thought the running backs both did nice things. I thought Kenny Gainwell finally showed up after you know having sort of a, yes, a down camp. Uh, he ran hard and uh, he did a nice he run by the goal miss. line for. And that's you're never really going to use him in, in those scenarios i don't think he was just in there for the series i don't think no that's true what. they did use him there last year though oh did they okay oh yeah right i yeah, guess I mean, you're right miles you sanders had, touchdowns. Miles sanders <laughs> so, had zero touchdowns in part because yeah they were they would use gainwell down there and he hit holes with authority so yeah i mean we, we've been kind of hard on him throughout camp but let's give credit where it's due like he had, he had a very he had a very good game yeah he needed that like that was a much needed performance um boston scott like you said also looked good uh josh job you wrote an article about him. Yep. I think it's safe to say he's making the team. He is banged up now, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, I one. think he's but safe. 
assuming he gets back soon, he's healthy, then, you know, he's in good position to make the team. Has looked good in coverage. I think he was targeted twice, didn't allow anything. He also gave up the one pass up. where he they actually called DPI on him. I didn't think it was I didn't think I didn't think it was a penalty, frankly. Uh and the ball shot up in the air and the Browns okay. receiver came down with it anyway. I don't know if they kept the I don't know if they kept right. the play or if they or if they kept the defensive pass interference. I think they just kept the catch and declined the penalty. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. I thought that was a little ticky tacky. I mean, but still, he, got there, he made like, a nice play on that. He made the ball jump but, pop yeah. up in the air. So like I'm he, fine he with that play. Like, he got there like 0.5 seconds, like a half a second too early. Like very, very kind of thin margin there. Um, he had a nice break do- on a pass on a, on an out route. He had the yep. the play at the end of the first half where he was on an island on the fade pattern, and he he got the PBU. And uh, I thought he, he had the so uh, he only like so he, that that one pass that he gave up that was you know the only tackle that resulted as. Uh, as as you know, it was a result of him, you know, giving up a, a completion. Right. He had six other tackles, had mm-hmm. nothing to do with him like getting a pass caught on him, and then he just makes the tackle. Like he stuck his face in the fan, as they say, and uh, was was very willing to kind of mix it up and, and make hard tackles in that game. And and I think that's probably primarily uh what they like about him and they think that the coverage stuff may you know may come along a little later. He had an open field tackle specifically on a jet sweep. Yes. Uh, the yeah, Browns ran early. to the left side. That was really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just out in space and, and made the play. That was really good because it could have been a lot worse for the defense. Um, yeah. You know, I thought Minshew was fine. Like he is, he is what he is. He's a backup. Um, he ran the offense efficiently. There were a lot of RPOs. Uh, they talked about Minshew more in the, the QB factory reboot here on BGM radio. So you can listen to that more for more in depth. Um, do you think they're going to keep Reed Sinet? Yeah, I do. Um, he's anytime I've had him on my, you know, a 53 man roster projection, actually more recently than before, uh, he's gotten the most disagreement from people that read those. And I get it. Like, you know, the readers have only seen him in these two preseason games. I thought he was mostly down in the first game. Uh, he did have that late drive, that late 17 or 18 play drive or whatever it was. That counts for something. And, and mm-hmm. he, he, you know, they got the lead and the defense gave up. The, he left the field with the lead, as we used to say about Nick Foles. <laughs> uh, and then uh, in this last game, his stats didn't look that good, but I thought he threw the ball fine. And then, of course, the uh, the long ball that he threw to Devin Allen was, was a great pass. Great and you throw. can see his arm talent. You can see that he has tools. And I think those tools are with are worth further development um the eagles like keeping three quarterbacks so whether that's the qb factory (laughs) that's right they i mean they they, it's 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 well established i mean you can just look at the last six years since harry roseman took took back over as uh gm of the eagles they keep three quarterbacks and um this year i think at a minimum sinet will make the team now if they claim another quarterback that gets waived right that could happen Last year they traded for Gardner Minshew after cutdown. That was after cutdowns, right? Or was it? Or was it before? It was before, I think. Okay, it was like, I think it was after their last preseason game. Yeah, it was late in the process. Like it was pretty. Cl- it was pretty tight up against the regular season because he was still the three for a while behind Flacco. Um, <laughs> and then when he was ready to go, they traded Flacco and they picked up Sinet. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think Sinet is at least going to make the initial fifty-three. Whether he stays the QB3 is another story. But, yeah, I do think he's going to make the team. And even if it's not him, to your point, like you you think it's going to be – there's going to be a third quarterback spot. Yes. To your point, they might claim someone or whatever. So, like, 
even if, okay, you don't believe in Sinet, you have to believe in the third quarterback spot being used. So, like, when you're doing your 53-man roster projections, if you're a fan, like, you can't just, like, so easily maybe, like, put two there. Because even if you don't like Sinet, your argument just can't be like, Sinet doesn't deserve it. Okay, it's fine. But they might they might get someone else. Okay. Um, well, real quick, one, one more thing on that. By sure. my count, there were 11 teams last year that ha- that were forced to use their third quarterback. And okay. and even more than that, that or the, and some, excuse me, some of those eleven teams had to go to like their fourth quarterback. <laughs> so mm. you you do need them sometimes, and usually when you do need them, you're screwed. But um, if if you have a guy that's in house and knows the offense has been there for a year or two, I think you're in a better position to steal a game like that than you would be if you didn't have one. You had to sign a guy off the street, of course. And the Eagles have their share of terrible opponents this year. So in the event like a Reedson had had to play, I think you're better off with him than signing some like a Garrett Gilbert, for example, like Washington had to do <laughs> last year at the last second. Like I, I would, I feel much more comfortable with a Reedson than a guy like that. Uh, should you need him? And then I always point out too, like Minshew's going to be a free agent next year, and I bet you he doesn't resign here because he wants. He's probably going to want to go somewhere where he. I, I, I doubt he's going to just be able to walk into a starting job, but somewhere where he can at least in theory kind of like push for it, you know, somewhere where there, you know, might be a like rookie or someone less established or someone like where there's a starter, but he's kind of on thin ice and he could kind of do the Ryan Tannehill to Marcus Mariota back in the day and kind of be like waiting in the wings. I, I think, we, I mean, we saw him into last year, like admit that he went into the Nick Sirianni's office and like asked for the starting job yes. or more of a chance. So like, I don't think he's going to be content. He's not like a lifer, you know, he's not like, uh, who was it? Charlie Whitehurst clipboard. Jesus. Who's just like content. <laughs> clipboard just being, Jesus. I never heard that just, before. Yeah. That's a big one. Uh, just he, he's not like content, you know, being a backup, yeah, yeah. like some of these backups are, that's not the role I think he wants. So he, he's probably gone after this year is the point. Um, so all the more reason to keep a third in case like you do believe in Sinet and you want to have him potentially, he could be your number two next year. If he progresses well, the QB right, three, way- just generally speaking has such a wide range of importance too. So, most weeks when your QB1 and your QB2 are healthy, he's the least important player on the team. Like he's the first guy when you like looked at like who you're going to have inactive on game day. He is the first name that you're going to have that you're going to, okay, well, QB3 is going to be inactive. Yes. If the first right. two guys go down, he is now the most important player on your team. So like it's a huge wide range of like of what can can go down in a QB3 season. The final thoughts I have from the game are quiet game from Jordan Davis, which I thought was a little disappointing. He had zero stats of any kind in 18 mm-hmm. snaps played. Not enough to say like major red flag, but a little disappointing, I thought. And uh, Andre Dillard and Jalen Rager. I didn't, I put them in, so I do, you know, the winners, losers, and I don't knows. I put them both in the I don't know. Because I remember you specifically said during the game, you thought Dillard looked pretty good. Yeah. And I will say Dillard has certainly come a long way from where he was at this time last year when he was having a disastrous training camp. But, like, I don't know, man. I, I don't really know what to make of him other than I think he, to me, he's a solid backup left tackle. And I don't really believe a whole lot more in that. And then with Rager, like, it's weird because he's had a relatively good camp, but, and I thought he had a a good catch for 10 yards in this game. Although on that catch, I thought he had a chance to kind of get yards after the catch. Mm -hmm. Like if he could make a guy miss, Dan Rager (laughs) cannot make a guy miss. So like, that's, he is what he is in that regard. And uh, 
when you look at his numbers in the preseason, he's been targeted eight times, which I know you like to highlight because I think are you are you getting at like they're trying to uh, yeah showcase display him yeah. And he has five catches for 43 yards. So he has an 8.6 average, which is lower than his 9.1 average from last season. So I think he's done, I've said this before, like enough to not be cut, obviously. And obviously cutting him isn't easy with the money situation. But at the same time, he hasn't done like a whole lot that like makes you feel like great about keeping him. He's your number one punt returner though right now. I, that's one thing that I actually think he has done he has done well at this mm. year this summer is he's been solid catching the catching the football which <laughs> sounds like a very minor okay. very minor like wow that's the that's that's where we are now with with praising him <laughs> but it's true i mean he's done a good job fielding punts uh better than anyone else on the team in my opinion um and he's pretty consistently been the number one guy up uh, as the punt returner and by the way Quez Watkins has been the first guy up as the kick returner consistently throughout camp as well. So I don't think that's a good sign for Britton Covey uh, in terms because no. that's his value to the team is if, is if he can be your punt returner or kick returner or both. Because uh, I don't think he's getting on the field when you have Quez Watkins and, and uh, Zach Paschal, uh as your slot. And even Jalen Rager, for that matter, who, who played the slot last year. Like all three of those guys are ahead of him in the slot alone. By the way, I'd like to issue a retraction on mm. my Andre Dillard love. Uh, yeah, he had a couple good blocks near the goal line. And I was, when I was watching that, I was like, wow, I haven't seen him move guys like that at all in his career. And I was, they were good blocks. They were obviously good blocks watching the game live. So I was all excited to fire up the uh, Andre Dillard tape and do a little gifts and stuff, positive post on him. And when yeah. I started watching the snaps, I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> oh, oh, that's not a good rep. Ugh that one's not good either. And I was like, Oh no, he didn't have a very good game. <laughs> so like it was in the, I, I should, let me, let me issue a retraction to that retraction. He wasn't bad. He just wasn't, mm-hmm. he just wasn't good. Um, it, it was not a game where I would, if I were Andre Dillard, I'd be fired up for a lot of people to be watching it uh, a second time <laughs> if I were him. Uh, but you know, he did, he did do some things that I think he hasn't been able to do before, like move guys in the run game. But I did see a lot of the same stuff kind of, kind of, uh, show up again. He got beat badly on one play where, um, I think Minshew, I think it was Minshew still got hit, uh, as he was throwing, but the pressure got to him like immediately. And, uh, yeah, it was just kind of, uh, an okay, not good, not terrible performance by him. I, and when I thought it was going to be a very good one. So, like I said, like solid backup, but not a guy who yeah. you're like, oh, wow. Because I think there's been a little bit of – actually, Andre Dillard is pretty good. It's just that Jordan Mailata happens to be amazing, so he's ahead of him. I'm like, yeah, I don't fully <laughs> – we have, we have a trade. Oh, my gosh. What did the, the Eagles, Eagles have traded Ugo Amati. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are they just acquired? <laughs> to the Titans. And, and the teams will swap late-round picks in 2024. What? Why? <laughs> Why maybe they, are... So maybe the the way I read that is probably they're sending a Mahdi and a seven to the Titans yeah. and they're getting a six back from the Titans, which is a great, that's a great job by Howie trading JJ. <laughs> they're, basically what that means is they traded JJ and a seven for a six, which is that's actually so pretty weird. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they traded I mean, Amati again. Good job by Howie. Don't, don't make no mistake. But I'm just like, okay, like why? Why are the Titans doing this? Like, why, yeah. Why? 
Maybe they, they, maybe they really, the safety hurt her. I don't know. I didn't even think he looked that great in the preseason game. Like I thought he looked okay against the Browns. I mean, he missed a tackle, notably in the backfield, when uh, the uh, Browns were going for it on fourth and whatever. And Jaquaski Tart ended up make, kind of making the play and stopping the guy short. Um, but uh, okay, good trade by the Eagles, and we'll get to that. Uh, I'm sure we'll both write about that after this. Uh, I see you're distracted. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, was, I was trying to see if uh, if, if anyone had the actual because I'm, I'm reading from Tom Pelissero here on Twitter. I was okay. He, he uh, his tweet reads uh, trade exclamation point. The Eagles are sending DB Ugo Amadi to the That's Titans so for sources. The teams will swap late round picks in twenty. Oh, it's twenty twenty four. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Amadi, is has just been, bored? <laughs> Amadi has been traded twice in 10 days from Seattle to Philadelphia and now to Tennessee. So I was seeing if anyone else had the actual like details record? of the picks. Uh, it's got to be, right? 10 days, um, two trades? I don't think it's unheard of. I remember someone else <laughs> happening. But, I mean, that's pretty It's pretty funny. Um, last couple things I wanted to get to from the game, and I already said last couple things, but I'm saying it for real again this time. Um, Cam Jurgens. Awesome. Looks great. Yeah. Not much more to say there. Looks great. I just wanted to mention that. Um, what else did I have? I don't know. I forget. I got distracted by this huge blockbuster trade. Um, we can get into the roster stuff anyway, coming up with uh, leading up to the final 53. Mm-hmm. Um, we should mention the roster currently down to 80 players, not counting Matt Leo, and they will cut down to 53 next week. So we'll have the cuts after this game. Um, and notable uh, news there too, where Brett Toth and Tyree Jackson oh, will both remain on the pup list through at least the first four games, and then longer if the Eagles want them to hang on mm-hmm. there longer. Like last year, for example, who came off early when it was like, oh, it'd probably be better if he just stayed on it for a while. Was it? Was that? That wasn't Laraven Clark, was it? Was it? It was because they would have been better off with him just being late season reinforcements if they needed him. But yes. he actually tied up a rot, or did he tie? Up? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who cares? But anyway, in early my opinion, it's a good thing that Tyree Jackson and Brett Toth both stay on the pup list uh, through the first four games of the season. Yep. So they'll miss four games, like you said, at least if not more. And then notably, the Commanders place Chase Young yes. on the pup list, so he will miss both the Eagles game early in the season. And then the Eagles are sorry, the uh, commanders play the Cowboys as well. So not great for Washington. Yeah. And the lions will not have Jameson Williams right. in week one against or, the Eagles, which... uh, Josh Pascal, who was their okay. second round pick, uh, edge rusher from Kentucky. That's right. So, you know, not ideal for them, uh, but good news for the Eagles. Um, all right. Why don't we take a break and we'll be back with our, Superlatives. Kristen not Roach before, is we hear about the Roach. best realtor in history. From the Roach Realtors. People are going to think the audio God. is messed up here because we're just talking <laughs> at the same time, but it's not. Sorry. Jimmy, take it away. You can reach her at 856-906-9295. I'll repeat that. 856-906-9295. Kristen Roach. Excuse me. Kristen Roach, best realtor in the history of the universe as voted upon by God. Call her if you are looking to buy or sell your home, Brandon. We'll be back after this. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. 
but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, we both had Jalen Hurts as a stock down today, correct? Yes. Or incorrect. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we can move on. All right. Uh, so then I'll write that down. I already have it written down. Your MVP, I'm guessing, was Hassan Reddick. It is Hassan Reddick. Um, okay. For everything I said before. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'll do a quick search right here. Yeah, that is his first of camp. So Yeah, he's, been, he's just been okay. Again, he's been facing off against Lane Johnson and such. Uh, but, yeah. I put Zach Pascal because I thought he had a really good day. Okay. Uh, the I, I tweeted earlier in practice that the Eagles did not have an answer for Tyree Kill. And in fairness, not many teams do because he's really good. Um, but <laughs> I also tweeted that the Chiefs, or sorry, the Dolphins defense, the second team defense specifically, did not have an answer for Zach Pascal. Mm-hmm. He was working them, which he should. I mean, he has an advantage in that he's experienced going up against lesser players. But still, uh, not everyone can do that. And he looked pretty good. So credit to Zach Pascal there. We've mentioned on the pod before about him that we think he may get he might get more snaps than Quez Watkins because yes. he gives you more as a blocker and red zone stuff. And then also, if the opposing defense has a shrimpy slot corner, you're gonna put Pascal in there and big body that you know big boy that guy. If it's a clunkier slot corner, just have Quez Watkins run by that guy. So I think that's a nice little underrated mm-hmm. aspect of the Eagles offense upcoming is that they have these two different, two very different styles of slot receivers uh, who can stress opposing defenses, no matter who they have in the slot. I do agree with that. And it's also worth noting that Quez Watkins like played a decent amount in the Browns preseason game. Sure. Unlike all the other starters. So it's not, I think fans view Quez like locked in as a starter 
I mean, the Eagles clearly don't view him like as let's put him in bubble wrap and make sure he gets all the way through. Right. And Quez had a good perspective on that talking after Tuesday, Wednesday's practice about, you know, he doesn't feel like he's, you know, earned the right just because, mm-hmm. you know, he's gotten better. Like he still views himself as the guy who came in as a sixth round pick. And he, he said, it's only year three for me. It's not like, oh, it's year three. I'm too good for this. He's like, no, it's only year three. So I like his I like Quez. when it comes to that. Yeah, I think he's. It's funny because like the fastest player in the NFL comment was like a little like um I don't blame him for it. He should have the confidence, but it's just like a little funny to say that. And also I asked say him if he was gonna race Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Today? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't want any part of that question. He was like, okay. No, it's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's the only reason. Um but I think he for the most part he's He's grounded in reality. Yeah, so I like that too. Um, who's your LVP? That would be fun though if like all the players lined up on the field and they had they had yeah. Tyreek race Quez, but like from the goal line to the 50 or something like that. That'd be, and then, be like the highlight uh, of camp it, to watch that. No matter the outcome, who cares? That'd be great. I, I agree. And there should be stakes too. There should be, you know, like the someone has to like, you know, one team has to buy the other one lunch or I don't know, something yeah, like that. Beer or they got to do yeah. a lap or whatever. Something yep. like that. Yeah. Uh, LVP, and I'm going to just reach back into the game on this one, uh, hmm. Davion Taylor, because he was just that okay. bad. <laughs> That's fair. I think it's a fair pick by you. Um, this is tough. I don't think anyone stood out. In obvi- it's, it's weird because the Dolphins won the day, but I don't think any Eagles player was like specifically awful. I thought Tiggy Allen struggled in coverage a little bit, but I also saw him have a good pass breakup. And I think he's looked good in the preseason games, so I feel bad about punishing him. Um, I heard Sinet, uh, Reed, uh, Sinet did get picked off twice in seven on seven. Oh, did, did you he, see that? Is no, that true? I didn't, see that. I, I didn't okay. watch seven on sevens because I was looking at uh the one the O line D line one on ones. During okay, I, I I did not see it either, so I can't really you know confirm or deny. I thought it, he looked okay in eleven on elevens. Okay, yeah. Um, he didn't really get a lot of, a lot of eleven on eleven work today, no. did he? Though it's mostly first and second team. Um. I'm having a tough time. I'm looking through. I kind of I was considering giving it to Slay just because, like, I know it's Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill is good, but you also pay Darius Slay as the eighth highest paid corner in the NFL, and he's the third biggest cap hit on the team. Like at some point, you need your elite corner to kind of like take away. And you said that he did win that rep, so I have a hard time, um, you know, punishing him too much. Especially he got banged up. Now some of that's bad luck. Uh, so I guess I'll just piggyback on Davion Taylor because it was that bad. It, it's, <laughs> it, it it's was deserved. Yeah. <laughs> like totally deserved. deserved. Um, who, what was your play of the day? I'm going to go with Hassan Reddick uh, bursting through the a gap. And again, just obliterating that running back on the way. To, like he saw the running back and he didn't hesitate. He just ran that guy over. Uh, and Reddick isn't a big guy. Like I don't, he doesn't have much of those kinds, many of those kinds of plays on tape where he's like bull rushing a guy or, making like a really physical play he wins with speed and this running back tried to step up and block him and just had something coming <laughs> something else coming when uh Hassan Reddick just ran right through him like a like a freight train uh, on the way to the quarterback so that's my play of the day I went with Devontae Smith mossing Nick Needham okay. even if it wasn't a catch like I mean, he's still mossed like he was in position to moss him maybe he got uh, the ball came out as they went to the ground. I don't. I didn't see that to me. And again, John Clark was also standing where I was. We both thought it was a catch, and we were surprised when other people were tweeting differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give him credit for it because Devontae Smith is really good, and uh, I think it was it was it was 
to your point, it was a boring practice. There weren't a lot of other yeah. great highlights to pick from. Um, I didn't see the Reddick thing, so pretty easy for me to go with Devante here. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I'm, hmm. I'm, I'm mixed. I have mixed feelings. This, tomorrow's our final practice of training camp that we get to watch for the season. Yes. Like we don't get to watch. We get to watch players warm up and stuff during the regular season. But once they actually start doing stuff, it's beat it media. So, <laughs> so I'm conflicted on the one hand. Um, it'll be nice to, you know, not have to write practice notes and rush and get them up after practice is over at the same time. Uh, I'm going to miss attending practices, uh, every day. And, and, uh, I, I enjoy the grind of, of training camp, uh, even if it means the end of my summer when they begin. Uh, but yeah, um, so mixed feelings on, on the end of, on our last practice, uh, of training camp, which again will be tomorrow on Thursday. You? I think that's well said and obviously a different layer to it this year with the back-to-back trips from Cleveland to Miami. That's not something the Eagles have ever done in terms of two joint training camp practices on the road in the same summer Yeah, uh, since we both started covering the team. They did one in Boston uh, against, in, against the Patriots and I believe in 2014. And then I don't think they had any on the road till last year against the Jets, which was, you know, close. So very drivable. Um, but they had two both far away this summer and been back to back. So that was kind of interesting. Um, I don't love, I got to say, Jimmy, and sorry, all Floridians out there, I'm not a Florida guy. <laughs> I can't say I love a Florida. Too humid. I certainly don't like it in August. I don't like driving here. People on the road are nuts, dude. Like I had, I had multiple times and I'm safe. Mom and dad are listening to this and they're probably getting very worried. Mom, dad, I'm safe. Um, I was driving the speed limit. I was fine. But like someone on the way home from practice, like sideswiped me, like almost like they just freaking like cut into my lane, no blinker. And was also, they were like almost level to me oh, when they started me. like coming Sorry. over. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes <laughs> sense. Um, it actually wasn't you because obviously I left before you, but, um, uh, so what the heck? And then I'm on the highway. And like two cars, not one, two cars are coming up. I swear, like, you know, over a hundred miles an hour behind me. And I'm like, oh my God, are they going to like stop? And, you know, they were like, and, it, and there was a lot of traffic. It wasn't like open lanes. There's like a lot of flow of traffic and they're just like zipping through. And, you know, you would think maybe there would be, and not to be an ageist here, you'd think maybe there'd be, if there's a problem driving in Florida, it's, you know, it's just <laughs> retirees who live here. <laughs> And yeah, maybe they're going too slow, but like I'd sign up for that before. And also there's just like these weird turn lanes and everything. I don't know. Maybe I'm being ridiculous, but no, you're dead I'm on. Vi- well, when I got out of the air, when I got my rental car and I got on the road to the, so yeah. like I said, I'm staying in Aventura and I flew into Miami, not Fort Lauderdale. Like the, the drive should have been like a 20 minute drive, but it said it was like 48 minutes. And I'm like, that can't be right. Like when I did this, uh, yep. when I did this at home, it was like 20 minutes. Yep. And then I looked at the map and the entire route was red. And I'm like, no, no. Of course it was like six that I got in last night. So it was rush hour kind of traffic. And it was like, it was almost like the pandemic never happened. (laughs) And like, Mm -hmm. everyone's back out on the road again. That drive sucked. Cause like you said, it was just Mm -hmm. just people cutting each other off like crazy. And, and, and like, like you said, again, it's not like there were wide open lanes or anything. There's roads were packed and people are still just like cutting each other off for really no good reason because you're not going to get where you're going any faster because you're one or two cars ahead of where you were before i hate the people who feel like they can like 
<laughs> like galaxy brain traffic. It's like if I just keep moving ahead, I'm gonna get. It's like no, you're not. You're just slowing everyone down in the yes. aggregate. Like like, what are you thinking here? So, uh, sorry, Florida. I mean, the beaches. I'm sure. I mean, I, I've been to the beaches before. It's been a long time, and I'm hoping to get to the beach either tonight or tomorrow night or something. Um, and I'm sure that's gonna be great. But, and I'm sure. I haven't seen seen all of the best of the food scene. I'm obviously redeeming things about it, but it's not for me is the point. Um, I, I was surprised. I was, you know, in my head, I'm more excited to come to Miami slash Fort Lauderdale than I was to go to Cleveland. But Cleveland was like, fine. There was nothing offensive about it at all. I, I, don't, I don't have any complaints. I don't have anything amazing to say about it. Like I said, it was eminently fine. But I don't have anything to be like, I hated this. No, like that was not a problem. And already I'm like annoyed here, but whatever. Uh, certainly happy to be traveling and, and grateful that um, I have a job and <laughs> they paid for the trip. I'm not trying to be ungrateful. I'm just saying <laughs> Florida's vibe is, is more suspect to me. Um, so that's the, that's the, <clears throat> that's my final thought. That was, it was um, great being here the weekend of Thanksgiving when they played here in sure. 2019. And like uh, uh, Kristen wrote the thrillers came down with me and uh, we stayed in South beach and there was like this, trail running like pavement or whatever like that was that like went along the beach for i don't know like five six miles or something like that so it's awesome like walking and running along there uh that vibe was a lot more fun again late november early december than freaking late august <laughs> in this just sweltering uncomfortable weather i will also say real quick that it's interesting to me have especially you know only really ever covered the Eagles for many years and been to their facility. So having an idea of what an NFL team operates like, even just from the media side, like that, that was the baseline going to Cleveland with all due respect Browns. I just don't think they were the most together agreed. Didn't have all their ducks in a row entirely. And I got to give the dolphins credit. Yeah, I think they yeah. very, very in order, which, like, maybe that's just a little silly to base how I feel about the football team entirely <laughs> off of that way. But, like, it does influence it. I feel like, okay, maybe the Dol uh, not Dolphins podcast, but my opinion of the Dolphins rose today. Yeah. Like, I think they're going to be they're – over, they're over-under is eight and a half. I looked at that up after practice, and I'm like, their schedule's tough. So that's tough. And, obviously, the Bills and the division and everything. So you have to consider all that. But in a vacuum, like, I like the over on that. I think I think Tua impressed me. Um, I think McDaniel has a chance at being a good head coach. And the defense has talent. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway, to relate it back to the Eagles in terms of having their stuff together. The Eagles also very much have their stuff together yeah. for the for the most part. I mean, maybe, you know, some complaints here and there. But for the, the bigger picture, definitely have it together. Um, all right. So, that does it for BGN Radio Episode 270. We'll be back again here with you for another Eagles training camp. Our final one. Our final MVP, LVP, all that stuff on thursday afternoon and then jimmy and i you and i will get together at some point i guess maybe early next week or after the game or whatever at mm -hmm. some point in sunday we'll figure out a time and we can talk about the final preseason game and like 53 man roster projection and then our training camp mvp lvp the aggregate scores of it all and kind of go through that and what to make of that all so that's what's coming up um check out bleedingyournation.com phillyvoice.com follow me on twitter and Instagram, where Jimmy, I'm only 12 followers away from a thousand on Instagram. Oh, Come on, look people, at you. get me, get me to the 1K. Uh, follow me on there, and follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Kemsky. 
Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff to Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it. And uh, check out RighteousFelon.com. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Discount code BGN20 for 20% off. Check out Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com by texting or calling this phone number. 856-906-929. If you're looking to... Sorry, I got into it. If you're looking to <laughs> buy, sell, or rent a house, Jimmy and I will be presumably writing about this huge trade that the Eagles made after we sign off here. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.